Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you online again today. How's your week been again in lockdown? It's challenging, I know. But actually, I had some great feedback last Sunday after the service about our communion time, about that time where we took the opportunity to commune with Jesus in silence. And so what we've done is uh, we've asked Caleb to upload that to the website so that you can access that anytime you like where you feel you wanted to spend that time in quietness, it could be every day, and it's there to guide you and to lead you through. Because one of the foundational goals of silence and solitude is to get to the place where we know who we are in God. Last week, Rhys shone the spotlight on Elijah's first experience in the desert. And after that happened, he got up and uh, he, he started walking. He actually went for 40 days and 40 nights, covered about 500 kilometres till he got to Mount Horeb, which is probably better known for us as Mount Sinai, the place where Moses received the law from God. And that's where our story takes up today. So let's read from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 8 to 13. So Elijah got up and ate and drank. And the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... There was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So here we find Elijah, the great prophet, the one who's just come from Mount Carmel where God proved he was God in such an incredibly miraculous way. And we find that he's retreated to hide in a cave. Not only that, he's tired He's depressed, he's dejected, he feels overwhelmed, uncertain, alone, and so discouraged. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Maybe we may identify with some of those feelings in 2021, while the dominant narrative is the ongoing pandemic and the associated experience of fear and isolation and uncertainty and maybe financial distress or even sickness. In response to this, many of us have experienced some of these negative emotions, loneliness and discouragement and tiredness and even depression. And so in times like this, where have you gone to try and find God in the midst of the mess? Perhaps Elijah went back to Mount Sinai because he hoped God would reveal himself to him there. Maybe he was thinking of the time when God used the wind to part the waters of the Red Sea before Moses, you know, that incredible time where he revealed himself. And you know that a wind came, but God was not there. 
Maybe God would speak to him in an earthquake, like the earthquake that shook the mountain when Moses received the law from God. And the earthquake came, but God was not there. Maybe God would reveal himself through fire. You know that like when uh, God led Moses and the children of Israel through the wilderness Every evening, every night, there was the fire leading them. Or, you know, the fire that rained down on the the altar at Mount Carmel and destroyed everything. Maybe God would be in the fire. But the fire came and God was not there. In all the ways that Elijah thought God might speak to him, God was not there. Imagine his despair. I wonder if you've ever felt times like that. When God wasn't able to be found in the usual places. Perhaps you've thought, I'll go to church and, and, you know, I'll reconnect there. I'll be able to find God there. But at the moment, we can't go to church together in the usual way. Or maybe you've thought, I'll, I'll, I'll try and pray. If I, if I pray, I'll connect with God. But you just feel like your prayers are hitting a ceiling. Or maybe, you know, you've thought, nature, God, God is in creation. I'll go out and take a walk and I'll find God there, but it's just not working. You're trying to find God and he's not there. He's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the fire. God is not there. But what the scripture records next gives us hope in those dark nights of the soul through which we pass. It says, And after the fire, a sound of utmost silence. And Elijah covered his face with his robe. Instead of what he expected, Elijah encounters a sound of silence. And that's where God was. God was there in the silence. Now, many translations uh, translate those that Hebrew phrase as a still small voice or, as we read today, a gentle whisper. But in fact, there was no voice at all. The Hebrew words more correctly translated are the sound of silence, a hush, utter quiet. And that's where God was, unexplainable, unexplained. God was there and Elijah knew it. And he was so overcome by God, by his presence, that he covered himself with his cloak to hide himself. Because when God is present, you cannot miss him. You cannot miss the presence of God. Now, you know, if Elijah had gone straight from the broom tree, where we were talking about last week, to Mount Horeb, it probably would have taken him about seven to eight days. And yet, it took him 40 I guess it sounds a little similar to the children of Israel when if they'd gone straight from Egypt to the Promised Land, it would have taken about 11 days, but they took 40 years. And in times of difficulty and struggle, what happens is, like the children of Israel, like Elijah, we try to find the way out. We try our own ways first. We try to find solutions to our problems. And yet it seems the more we try, the more we fail. And time passes by and with all our efforts, it's not until we get desperate that we then seek the Eremos, the solitary place to find God. It's interesting, though, in those times of wandering, in those times of all, you know, of us trying with our own effort and, and energy to do what we can do to find the answer, 
just like he was with Elijah, just like he was with the children of Israel, God is still there. He is with us and he's always trying to lead us to the place where we can meet him. This is just an aside. I thought it just might be interesting. Um, the number 40 for the Jews is a number that in terms of time represents a period of trial and correction. And when we think about the children of Israel, we think about Elijah, this was a trial for them. Now the product of five and eight, which makes 40, signifies five signifies grace and eight signifies a new beginning. So the product of this time of trial, this time of correction and probation, if we allow God to be in it, can bring about grace, his grace at work in our lives to result in a new beginning. So eventually, Elijah at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, finds God. And God puts a question to him. He says, why are you here, Elijah? Did Elijah really grasp what was happening? Did he understand he was there because of his faulty thinking and his wrong focus? Did he understand that though he had been running from the Lord, it was God who'd actually led him to this special place to instruct him and to restore him? Actually, Elijah's response in verse 10 shows he, had, he didn't understand that at all. He was filled with his own importance and he was angry because the people were not responding in the way that they should. He was not getting the help that he needed. In fact, he said, even God, you're not helping me. He was bitter because he had served the Lord so faithfully and spectacularly as we saw at Mount Carmel. And the result was what was happening to him. He was rejected and he was in exile. Now, as we read on and we read the Lord's response to that, he basically ignores what Elijah said. And instead, he offers Elijah instruction that results in a revelation of God himself and the way God operates. Elijah's told to come out of the cave and stand before the Lord. Now, remember, this cave represented Elijah's human strategy for refuge, the product of his wrong thinking and focus. I believe that the Lord was rejecting Elijah's solution and was showing him that he alone is to be Elijah's refuge. Like Elijah, we all need time and space in our lives to disengage from the world and meet with God so that we can be restored, so that we can get our, the right focus, the right thinking. What if one of our greatest obstacles to communion with Jesus is our inability to sit alone with him in the quiet for any amount of time? What if we don't experience the depth of his love for us because we just can't sit still long enough? Richard Foster famously said in, in 1978, no less, that this is exactly the place where the enemy attacks. In contemporary society, this is 1978, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Now, I think that things have only got noisier, more hurried and more crowded since 1978, which is why we so desperately need the practice of silence and solitude. Elijah went into a cave. 
Caves are important to the spiritual tradition. For instance, the desert fathers and mothers of the Christian tradition in the 300s lived in caves in Egypt. The cave is the motive for inner solitude. Orthodox Christians speak of going into the interior cave. Why do they go there? For solitude, to sit and wait for our Lord. The cave is a place of deep quietness. When the workings of the mind quieten down, and we're able to descend into our deeper being. Everyone needs solitude. We need that place where God can meet with us alone. And there, he will show us himself. And he will bring us refreshment and grace. The silence and solitude amidst the chaos for Elijah brought him into the fullness of God's presence. And from that place, he hears God in a new and powerful way. In the same way, silence and solitude will offer that to us. It will offer to us the opportunity to hear God, to really hear what God is saying, and give us that new and powerful way forward. And so as we enter the place of silence and solitude, we hear God's provocative question. What are you doing here, Pam? You ask yourself that question. What are you doing here? Put your name into that question because God asks that of you. Because he wants us to reflect on who we are and what we're doing. To reflect on how authentic we are, how real we are being with ourselves and with God. To reflect on his call to us and how determined we are to do what he wants and not what we want. To be who he created us to be not our version of that. And so we go to the Eremos, to the quiet place, to that place of solitude and silence for the purpose of stripping away the things that that crowd in us and, and block us out from really hearing God. We go into that place to be alone with God. We remove noise and distraction. And when we do that, we get that stuff out of our lives. We make room for God. This is a spiritual encounter and it will guide us and lead us in our spiritual journey. This story actually gives us a model and a way not only to cope but to live deeply in the Lord. Elijah was cared for by a loving God. He was given divine guidance. He moved from being dejected to having divine clarity on how to go forward. So, With all this said and done, perhaps we could do well to take a page out of Elijah's book. Maybe we should find our cave, travel into that interior place, shut out the torrent of bad news, we need to turn off the television and all the media sources for that, rest in quietness and wait for the Lord to pass by. Wait for a moment of grace. He will come. He will pass by. He will speak to you. He will transform you. In the end, Elijah did that and he received loving guidance from God and a holy clarity. Now, if God is still to be found in the silence, that is a hard truth for some of us because silence is often perceived as an absence, a lack, an emptiness. Our our culture teaches us to value fullness, We fill up time with activity. We fill up our space with stuff. 
We fill up silence with sound, music, TV, radio, podcasts, phone calls. It seems that every gadget we have comes with beeps or buzzers or bells these days. I mean, how many electronic sounds do we hear in a day? The, the ringing phone, text alerts, doorbells, car horns, even the signal the microwave, microwave makes when it's done? I mean, if God is in the silence, how would we ever know? Because silence is often perceived in our culture as an absence, a lack, an emptiness. We are taught to find identity and value in what we produce. So we seek the noise of productivity. Instead of washing the dishes in silence, we multitask. We wash the dishes and listen to the news. Or maybe we could perhaps enjoy a certain kind of quietness while we're driving in our car, but we turn on the radio or we think, oh, we can make the best use of this time by catching up on some phone calls. Of course, we use hands-free so we don't break the law. But we sort of try to, we fill all these spaces with noise. Why do we do that? It's because in our society, silence is seen as an absence, a lack, an emptiness. We think that if we cannot hear God, and this is the resultant thinking of all of that, if we cannot hear God, then he is absent. But I think we need to challenge that assumption. There are empty silences, there are awkward silences, there are painful silences, but there are also pregnant silences. You know, the silence of an engaged audience where everyone's so caught up in the action on the stage waiting for what's next that you could hear a pin drop. In this silence, there is expectation and wonder. This is where you will find God. And see, it's hard to keep silent anywhere, even when you're in a room trying to bring this message. The sounds of technology interject. So we have to be so determined, so focused about this, if we're going to achieve what God wants us to do, which is to really hear him. So in the midst of this silence, God speaks to Elijah again and he asks him the same question. He says, what are you doing here? And Elijah tells him again exactly the same thing. So God speaks to him and says, Elijah, you are not alone. There are 7,000 others who have kept the faith. And God then gives him a plan of action. He tells him how he's going to go back to where he was and he's going to anoint three people God has chosen to help him in his work as he goes forward. Elijah does go back, back to the conflict, back to the trouble, back to the risk. But this prayerful encounter, this moment with God himself, has moved him out of his despondency and his sense of purpose is restored and he takes up his mission again because he has met with God himself. So this morning, I encourage you to find your cave. Go and wait there. Wait for God. Wait for him to pass by because he will and you will experience his presence. You will hear his voice and you will leave reassured. You will leave refreshed and re-energized and ready to fulfill the mission that God has for you. Let us pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you so much that we can find you, that in the midst of the noise and the clamor of this world, that we can find a place where we can come apart and seek you. 
I pray, God, that you will help us. This is not something that we're going to do easily. It's not something we find in our own selves easy to do. But, God, we're asking you to help us, to help us to remove the distraction and the noise from our lives so that we can wait for you and know you will come because you've promised you will. And we will meet with you and we will experience your presence in all of your power, in all of your love, in all of your grace. And we will hear from you. I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. You are true to what you say. And I pray today for everyone who's listening today, who, to, for everyone to whom you are speaking, that they will respond to what the Spirit is saying to our hearts today. I pray, God, that you will speak clearly, that we will come away encouraged, that we will come away with clarity about the way we are to go forward. And that will help us to have confidence, not in ourselves, but in who you are in us, God. I pray that this, as we continue to journey down this path of understanding what silence and solitude means, God, that we will really uh, find a fresh a freshness in our relationship with you that will empower us to go forward, to be the people you've called us to be, the people you've created us to be, and to do what you have in mind for us to do. I pray blessing over everyone. I pray, God, for, for opportunities for everyone to find those places and to have that encounter with you that is so transformational that it empowers them to step forward into the future with joy and confidence and peace in their hearts because they know you go before them, that you are with them and that in you they have everything that they need. I thank you for that, Lord. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.